Hello and welcome to the journalism.co.uk podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Granger. Each week, we bring you the most interesting conversations from around the media industry. And today, we're talking to the UK's first online safety editor, Rebecca Whittington. Rebecca was hired by Reach PLC back in October to support reporters through online abuse incidents while also leading a public anti-abuse campaign for the organisation. She started the role in November and today she joins us to talk about her work, the state of play for online abuse against reporters and how this new role will help staff working across the group's national and regional titles. Rebecca started out as an online and video journalist and editor for regional newspapers, eventually working as the head of news for the Yorkshire Post newspaper before moving over to academia at Leeds Trinity University, where she spent seven years as a lecturer and course leader. During that time, she has explored the impacts of digital tools on news production and journalistic identity. In her time away from the newsroom, the tools and mode of delivery for news may have changed, but one thing remains the same. Journalists still get abuse and need more support if they are to work to their fullest potential. I ask you for understanding in today's episode as well. Working from home is not easy and we experienced some technical issues in our call today. But I think you'll find Rebecca's insights very useful and eye-opening. All of that's coming up after a quick word about the sponsor of today's episode. This journalism.co.uk podcast is supported by Memberful, which is the easiest way to sell memberships to your audience. You can monetize your fantastic newsletters through Memberful with no need to connect to a third-party email provider. Try it for free on memberful.com, where you can also take up pro and premium plans to really start cranking up and customizing your membership offering. Rebecca, welcome to the journalism.co.uk podcast. It's an absolute pleasure to have you here. Thanks for joining us. Can you give our listeners a snapshot of what your work environment looks like at the moment? How are things? Working from home or? Yeah, well, I'm working from home. And um, so really, actually, uh, I was working as a lecturer before that and out and about in university. So this is a slight change, but it's a really warm, welcoming environment at REACH, actually. So um, it's been well set up to welcome people who are working from home. And I have had the opportunity to actually go out and meet some colleagues before the new restrictions came in as well. And I hope I'll be getting the chance to do more of that next year. Yeah, that's super interesting because the thing we've heard so much throughout the last year year and a half is new recruits when do they get to meet their new new colleagues but we're here of course to talk about your very interesting new position at reach as the online safety editor what exactly does an online safety editor do rebecca (laughs) well it is the first online safety editor position I think within industry, really, I'm forging the way in the sense of what an online safety editor does. But essentially, I'm here because online spaces, which is obviously where our journalists are currently working um, on social media platforms, on our own websites, um, on email, everything is digital and online nowadays, obviously. And more and more, we're finding that the opportunities posed by working online put people in quite a vulnerable position within the workforce. And obviously, we want to be here for our journalists Um, and also we want the audience visiting our products and wanting to take part in positive engagement we want them to feel supported so I really think it's actually quite a crucial role in terms of not only working internally with our staff but also making sure that um, our position as an organisation which is anti-harassment anti-abuse is actually really felt by um, our audience as well Right. So it's not just it's not just an internal supportive role. It's also external communications to the audience to 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 what, like stamp out hate against journalists or to make to be more cautious of their messaging or or what? 
there's going to be degrees of what we do externally. Um, I think very much so we have an anti-abuse policy, which is clearly outlined on our websites and which we do remind people of in other online spaces as well. It's also making sure that those other people within those spaces are actually feeling supported to actually take part in engaging an interesting conversation. And I think Therefore, we need to be looking at how we um, uh, positively reinforce positive interaction and engagement. And so that's something that I am going to be looking at in more detail. I think also we do have an anti-abuse stance and anti-abuse policy. And that's something that we really need to be working with other organisations working within this area to actually collaboratively work to, to stamp out this problem, because it's not just journalism that's facing this problem. Um, I think a lot of people know that if you go into online spaces, you might be the victim of abuse. It's just that because journalists are working consistently in these online spaces, that they are probably receiving more abuse and obviously as they take the role of public figures that sometimes opens them up and makes them more vulnerable to that as well. Reach has around 3,000 reporters working across national titles like The Express, OK Magazine and The Daily Mirror, as well as regional titles like The Manchester Evening News, Liverpool Echo and titles across Northern Ireland, South of Ireland and Scotland. As you can imagine, that brings about a range of experiences of abuse for reporters. Part of Rebecca's priority list is understanding how these experiences compare and working with editors across the organisation to make some positive changes. Internal surveys by Reach showed the scale of the problem. 50% of staff have experienced online abuse, and 85% of that was because of their work. In other words, abuse is highly linked to what journalists publish. That is a tough environment for new reporters to come into, which is why Reach already offers an employee assistance programme, a 24-7 service that allows staff to seek help. We have changed in the workforce and it's a really busy industry to work in and actually just constantly talking about online safety, going to talk to editors about online safety, hopefully will then mean that the workforce starts to recognise if they didn't already that actually that support is in place. There's quite a few things that I'm wanting to look at doing which again will just I hope start sending that messaging out that we are an organisation that wants to support journalists with this but also that they can take positive action and that we will support them to do that um, if, if something happens. So um, yeah, I, I hope that it, a lot of it's about communication within a large organisation like this, communicating what what is available is is really crucial yeah super interesting can you can you elaborate on the on that stuff that you want to bring in in the new year what what could stand to be updated and what could potentially be different i really want to take a look at for example the the way that reports are being made um reporting policy and procedure just to make sure that it is as robust as it could be and also i'm really wanting to make sure that we are tracking the types of abuse that are taking place and who the targets of abuse are because anecdotally within the organization we are seeing a high level of women being abused online um, and also there are um, obvious issues around protected and minority groups um, REACH has got a really good diversity and inclusion network um, and it's really important to us as an organisation that as journalists we're actually giving voice to all members of society and that we are also encouraging all members of society to be journalists within the organisation. For example, there was a UNESCO study which suggested that women were a much higher target than men. Three quarters they encounter online abuse. Yeah, I remember the study. 
Yeah, exactly. This is a good opportunity for us to conduct similar research within the organisation. And then it just adds to the strength that we can actually look at this and say, OK, there is actually hate crime taking place within these spheres and we need to be doing something about it. Yeah, lots of really important points in that re reply there. What about the very kind of unique nature of covid fueled kind of uh, abuse against journalists? We've seen a lot of um, journalists who are reporting on coronavirus again uh, on, on the vaccine, on the lockdown, and they've been targeted in very particular ways. Is that going to be part of your focus moving forward as well? Uh, yes. I mean, I think the tracker, actually tracking the types of abuse that take place is going to be crucial because we are seeing journalists reporting in very balanced ways on um, issues around coronavirus and then enduring really horrific abuse online, quite serious pile-ons on Twitter, um, you know, and actually uh, feeling quite threatened and vulnerable. So I think that actually tracking the abuse is going to be absolutely crucial because it will help us look to see where emerging trends are taking place. And I'm really keen in this role to take a proactive view on this as well and then thinking before it becomes a real problem how can we address this um so and that'll be things like training for example and working with external bodies as well i do think collaboration is going to be key and um you know, if there are academics who have um, a lot of knowledge around, um, for example, incel culture, uh, and that become that type of abuse becomes more prevalent over time, then actually we can start working with people. Okay, so how do we define this? How do we understand it? How do we start to manage and train around that type of abuse? The UK government is currently working on an online safety bill which will look closely at who is accountable for online abuse. Is it platforms like Meta, as it's known these days, Twitter or TikTok? Or do companies have a duty of care here for their staff? What about the perpetrators of abuse? What response is necessary? All of this will take a long time to hammer out the details, and Rebecca welcomes the legislation to get the ball moving to support reporters. She also says that existing relationships between big tech platforms and news industry bodies like the NCTJ should help move this along, but says, talk to me in six months' time, basically. As a former journalist and editor, she knows firsthand that journalists have always experienced abuse in one form or another, but that used to come in the form of complaints to the front desk or harassing phone calls. The difference now is that we live in a digital world, and therefore people's access to reporters has changed. It's so easy now for people to have their say online and obviously there's a difference between fair comment and abuse and I think actually identifying those differences is going to be really crucially important and making sure that, that journalists know when something is fair comment and something is abuse I think that that's a really important part of it as well but yes I don't I, I don't think that this is a problem that w one organization can solely solve yeah my point on this is that like you correctly say, it's going to take time for the government to get this right. It's going to take time for those amendments to happen. In the meantime, newsrooms really have to get in front of this and have a have a plan and be very proactive. That's kind of my point. And that's clearly what Reach is trying to do here. Yeah, this position was created on the back of the survey that had been sent out. Um, and it was also um, that there was a working online safety group taking place before I was appointed. I mean, that's just an absolute gift for me because it means I can come in and actually work with those people who have full of bright ideas and 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 really wanting to make positive change and i really hope that what we are doing actually then has the opportunity to inform other organizations and you know i'll be talking to um the the committee for the safety of journalists about what i'm doing when i see them in january
Yeah. Yeah. It's just encouraging to see that newsrooms have the power, have the resources to be able to take their own own measures. That's kind of my point. Rebecca, you've kind of got a really interesting perspective on this because you've been in the industry. Then you spent sort of seven, seven years in academia, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. Seven years. Then you've kind of come back in. How much has changed since when you were, were in the industry before you left academia and now come back in? What's different? I started off as a trainee journalist, obviously, and then worked my way through, um, finished as the head of news at Yorkshire Post newspapers. The reason, one of the reasons I went and did my PhD looking at the impact of digital tools on news production and also the identity of journalists was because I basically started my career when we weren't on Facebook, we weren't on Twitter. Um, we had websites and we were thinking, what do we do with this? All the way through to when I left to go to Leeds Trinity University to teach. We were working online more and more. There was um, obviously online journalists working within the organisation. I look at the industry now and I know that it is not a dying industry. It is a changed industry. What journalists are doing hasn't changed in terms of they are trying to produce interesting, engaging content that is relevant. What has changed is the method of delivery. The structures of the organisation have probably changed as well because actually, you know, we now have people in really new positions and we have uh, different units within the organisation that would never have existed. What called you back to the newsroom? I really missed working in industry. Um, I love journalism. It's my first love. You know, I've always identified myself as a journalist, um, first and foremost. And I was thinking for a little while, where do I go next? What do I do next? And actually journalism kept calling to me and I was thinking, am I crazy? And then actually this came up and I thought, wow, no, I need to take this opportunity. And I'm just so glad I got the job because it's only been four weeks, but I'm really enjoying it so far. <laughs> Congratulations, of course. Um, what what work did you prioritise on in your first couple of few days, few weeks on the job? What What was your immediate kind of, let's get the ball moving here, this really needs addressing? Okay, so my main thing actually was getting around people and meeting them and then listening to them it's a like I said it's a big organization and um, the problem that we have with online abuse is that it's a very individual thing it's it make can be very targeting of individuals within this vast organization I need to be really mindful of that one person might you know might be like it's part of the job and not actually report it and another person might be really damaged by something that happens to them um, online and so getting around and listening to people making sure that they know I'm here opening that two-way dialogue um, across the organization it has been my absolute focus for the last four weeks I think it's going to take me a while to get around the organization The responses so far from REACH journalists have been eye-opening. For example, people can easily access journalists online. How many reporters have their email addresses in their Twitter bios? Or their link to the published articles on the website that audiences may not like? She has heard that reporters are publicly called out on the website and on social media, although they do have tools on the website allowing them to moderate, block and ban these posts. The bottom line is that when journalists are negligent with their security settings, abusers can track them down physically. Reporters are also being indirectly threatened through images shared online to target them with threatening behaviour. All of this is throwing up new considerations for Rebecca to think about in the short and long term. But I ask her, what is the most alarming developments that she has come across so far? 
I've seen a couple of Twitter pylons now in, in, in the last couple of weeks. And I think that they are concerning because they can rise so quickly and it's such a lot of people taking part. Um, and actually the majority of people in that pylon, we don't know where they are geographically, but I think it can make somebody feel very threatened and intimidated all the same. Um, and then clearly there is race hate for example so I've spoken to journalists who say that every single time they publish all they get back is a barrage about them being Muslim about them being a woman and quite threatening comments around that all of that is concerning I also think that it's really important that we don't just look at these big instances, you know, the mega pylons, the the hate crime. Of course, we need to be looking at those and taking them really seriously. But I also think it's the people who aren't reporting at the moment because they just get it all the time. And sometimes that abuse might not be directed specifically at them. It might be about comments about the quality of their work or, you know, it might be the way they look or whatever. And I think they're not necessarily reporting those all the time because they happen a lot. And actually, what I need to be making sure that those people are feeling hurt and also recognising that they don't have to just accept this as part of the job because actually it's not part of the job and that's why I'm here to help them. Right. So you mean to say some people just don't raise the flag because the comments they receive just seem part of the part of the job. Just take it on the chin, move on. That's kind of the, the culture they've accepted. I mean, I would say that Reach is working really hard not to have that culture. And I do think that journalism as a whole has had to take a look at itself and has done in recent years to make sure that actually emotional support for journalists is available. And also physical support in terms of sending somebody out into the physical space. You need to make sure that their health and safety is of prime importance. And I do think that Reach is doing that. But I think there might be some hangover from an industry that used to shrug it and take it on the chin. Yeah. Almost wrapping up here then, what will success look like down the line? What is the change that you really want to bring about? I really want every single journalist that works for Reach to know that there is a place that the person that they can go to to talk to about online abuse. Some people are a bit worried about working in online spaces. And that means that it's not giving them the opportunities that they can take as a journalist. I think, you know, as a journalist, we need to be working in online spaces. That is part of the remit most of the time. Difficult to do that job if you're not taking advantage of it and actually feel like, yes, I have the tools to do this. I have the support to do this. I have the power to do this. And I know that I'm a good journalist and that I'm doing a good job here. And I think that's not just working with the individuals who are going out and doing a Facebook Live, for example. It's also working with their managers to know that if they come back and say this has happened, um, then their manager also knows how to support them and who to turn to. The internal survey we spoke about before by Reach indicated that a small minority of journalists were changing their behaviour online because they were worried about the backlash. Journalists should not be shying away from proudly parading their journalism because they fear the response. And that's an issue Rebecca wants to address closely. Conversely, being visible and active in online communities is so important for local reporters and for their work to have real impact. Reticence to share your work is a real problem, because this can cost stories in the long run. Talk to any veteran journalist and they'll tell you their stories have a domino effect. The implications here are quite serious. Like I said, it was quite a small number that said that in the survey. I think it was maybe less than 30%. But people that acknowledge that within the survey, you know, they don't want to be feeling like they can't do that. And I know that that's so it really is crucial that we give them the opportunity to actually enjoy journalism and really enjoy what they're doing and really be proud of what they're doing and actually be able to showcase it in that way. So as, a, as an organisation, we are supporting them to do that. And obviously my role was crucial in that. What do you think is the main skill that you have that has fared you well in your career? 
I am really interested in people and I really like working with people. I'm really um, passionate about good communication. Those skills have fed me well in journalism. You couldn't be a journalist if you weren't interested in people's stories and interested in being able to tell those stories. But also as a, as a lecturer and as a researcher doing my PhD, good communication, good organisational skills. Uh, I don't just want to know the story. I want to know why why we care and, and explain why we care. So a follow up to that um, point, then what's one tip that you might uh, give our listeners to develop their people skills, be a bit more a people person? What, what's worked for you? Um, listening and then taking a breath to think before asking the questions. <laughs> I think thinking about what questions you want to ask is really important and approaching people with an open mind. And don't ever try to be the expert if you're not an expert. Go and do the research and become an expert or go and speak to somebody who's an expert and listen to what they're saying, I would say. Wise words. Rebecca, thank you so much for jumping on the journalism.co.uk podcast. It's been an absolute blast. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. A great conversation there with Rebecca and lots to think about. External solutions, like through the online safety bill, will take time. News organisations must be proactive to find their own internal solutions here. Reach, in being the first media company here in the UK to hire an online safety editor, makes a powerful statement on the state of play for online abuse that journalists have historically accepted as part of their job. But no more. Ignoring this issue will cost the industry talent and public interest stories. If you like what you heard today, you can check out all of our podcasts on Spotify, SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts by searching and subscribing to the journalism.co.uk podcast. And if you'd like to feature on the show, please do drop me an email on jacob at journalism.co.uk. But that's all we have time for this week. I've been your host, Jacob Granger. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.